in our midst, then our lives should be transformed. When we get together and we worship God, it shouldn't be routine, it shouldn't be ordinary, it should be transformational every week. Fourth core value is... Passionate pursuit of God. Say what? Passionate pursuit of God. We don't just worship God on Sundays, but we seek to live passionate lives for God Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, every single day in our life. And we seek to worship Him through our giving, through our Bible reading, through our prayer, through our interactions, everything we do. We passionately pursue God. As same way, a husband who is passionately in love with his wife wants to do anything he can to please her any time of day. Right, gentlemen? <laughs> Very good. Number five, the fifth core value at St. Timothy and St. Athanasius Church is... Christ-like integrity, we, what we say is going to match what we do. Because we know that we all say the right thing, but just like Christ did. He said, this is what I'm coming to do, and this is how I'm coming to live, and he held himself to that high bar. Obviously, we know we're going to fall short, but we are going to strive for the same kind of be perfect as, as your Father in Heaven is perfect. The first side of the mountain is the climb up, is what God's going to do inside of us. And then we're going to climb, scale the top, or we're going to be on the downside. And now is what we are going to be outpouring, is going to be the outpouring of all the first five are going to be outpoured in the second set of core values. Core value number six is faith-filled vision, because nothing makes God happier than when his children live in faith. Nothing makes me as a, as a father happier than when my son says to me, Daddy, I got a problem. I know you can solve it. Even if I can't solve it, I'm going to solve it because nothing makes me happier than my kid comes to me. So we're going to go to God in the same way. We believe our God is a big God and we rely on our big God to do extraordinary things every time we pray. Seventh core value. Irrational generosity. Because we believe in a big God and we believe in a God who, who holds true to His word. When He says it is more blessed to give than to receive, we will hold Him to that. And we will give in an irrational way. Irrational meaning that your co-workers and the people outside will say, it doesn't make sense. Why are you giving of your time? Why are you giving of your money in this way? And we'll say, because our God is a big God. And He said, it is more blessed to give than receive. And we are going to hold Him to that. Eighth core value at St. Timothy and St. Athanasius Church is? Oh, now we're starting to lose some momentum, huh? So we said seven is irrational generosity. We're talking about how we're giving and specific, and we talk specifically there about like financial, but it includes time as well. Now the eighth one is the giving of other things, not just our, our, our finances, but our stewardship of our talents. talents and gifts. Because we believe each one of us is created uniquely by God with a unique set of gifts. And this church, watch this, this church right now is complete with all the gifts it needs to do its mission. Not complete here, not complete there, but complete here. If every one of us uses the gifts and talents that God has given us, not only will we be blessed, but the church will be blessed, and the, and the church of God will be blessed in that manner. Last week we talked about the ninth core value, which is personal call to evangelism. And that's the one that you might have thought that we would have started with here because the basis of our church is missionary work and evangelism, things like that. But this is an outpouring. Okay, but what this says is that I believe that when our Lord said, go to all nations and make disciples of all nations, that wasn't to 12 guys 2,000 years ago. That's to me. And that is as much to me as it was to them because I am the body of Christ on this earth. So we don't have to do all of that mission, but one piece of that mission certainly applies to me. And we spoke last week about what it means to be an evangelist. It doesn't mean necessarily preaching. It means not bringing others to Christ, but bringing... Christ to others everywhere that we go. And now today, sadly, we're at the tenth and final core value. And you see that we started off our core values, that we got somebody from outside who knows nothing about nothing. And we brought him in. We accepted him. 
We integrated him into an authentic community. We showed to worship God, live for God passionately every single day, live that pinnacle Christ-like integrity, and then on the way down, living with faith, living a generous life, stewardship of talents and gifts, realizing the call to evangelism. And then at that point in time, we're going to send him back out into the community the same way he came. That's our 10th core value, which is genuine love for community, which says we bleed with love for the community around us, especially those who are without Christ. We don't just care about spiritual needs, but physical, emotional, and social needs as well. We seek to be a true blessing to the community in whatever way we can. The perfect outpouring of the first nine core values is this one, because now the person is going to go back out into the community they came from, but they are not going to go back in the same way, and that's the whole point. Let's take a step back and, why, and realize why this core value is so important. If I had to ask you to like explain to somebody who knows nothing, what is it that God wants from us? And of course I say explain to somebody who knows nothing, assuming that we know everything, but really we don't even know the answer to this. But let's assume we're talking to somebody who knows nothing. What does God want from us? Give me like God wants, give me like a two or three point checklist. What does God want? Prayer. Bible. Don't kill. That's kind of like our, our, our spectrum, okay? As long as I pray every now and then. Oh, and throw church in there too. Oh, and let's throw giving. Oh, and honor your father and mother. That's an important one. And, oh, don't look lust. Oh, wait a minute. Now the list is getting kind of long. What is it that God wants me? Break it down. What does God want me to do? What is, like, what does God want me to be? I'm not saying I can answer that in one question. But I think what is not the answer is this. Oftentimes we think that as long as we avoid certain big sins, then we're doing what God wants us to do. And we kind of generalize it like, okay, like I said, don't commit adultery, don't murder anyone, try your best not to lie, okay? Try your best to be like a good person. And we kind of have like these major categories of bad things. And as long as we avoid those bad things, then we feel like, you know what? We're doing a pretty decent job. I don't think that's how God looks at it though. I don't think God's measure of success is what you don't do. Just like I don't think my wife's measure of success for me as a husband is what I don't do. Meaning that I can say, hey, I didn't cheat on you. Okay, I didn't steal any money from you, and I never threw you out the house and changed the locks. I'm a good husband. Okay, but also you never spoke to me. Okay, also you never told me that you loved me. Also, you never did anything nice for me. So we can agree that just avoiding certain things isn't enough. How about faith? Isn't faith enough? We believe. Okay, so I believe that Jesus is, the, just like I said in the sermon today, is the Christ the Son of the living God. Isn't that enough to make God happy? I'll give you a little statistics. In the United States of America right now, how many people say, claim to be Christian in the United States of America? How many people say they believe that Jesus Christ is God? Any guesses? Percentage? 75, 84. Okay, so, yeah. That's a pretty high percentage. 84% of people say they're Christian in this country. Let me ask you a question. You walk around the streets. You think 84% of people in this country are pleasing to God? You think 84% of the people that you see on a day-to-day -day basis are living lives in accordance with what God wants? They believe. But clearly, it is more than just believing. 
There's more than just believing that He is the Son of God and more than just believing that you should obey Him. There's got to be more to it than just that. So then I started to think to myself, okay, like I said in today's sermon, instead of me and you trying to figure this out together, let's go to the Word of God. And let's go when God came to earth. God came to earth, Christ, walked around, and He met lots of people. What did He want from those people? When Jesus met people, what did He want? When He met the rich young ruler, what did He want from Him? When He met His apostles and disciples, what did He want from them? When He met the Samaritan woman, our patron saint, so to speak, what did He want? I summarized it in one word. Jesus came for change. Jesus came to change people. Would you agree or disagree with that statement? The rich young ruler had a certain way of thinking and a certain way of living. Jesus said, I want to change that. Rich young ruler said, I don't want you to change that. Samaritan woman came, had a way of living. Jesus said, I want to change that. She accepted the change. The apostles, they had a certain way of, of talking with one another, certain way of dealing with problems, certain way of so many things. Jesus said, I want to change those things. Jesus didn't come to tell people to avoid big sins. And in fact, if you look at the people in the Bible who were living a life of avoiding big sins and they refused to change, Jesus didn't, wasn't too fond of them. Those are the Pharisees, who all were very righteous and doing very good things. But they refused to change when he came to them. He just didn't think too highly of them. Let's go to our story of the Samaritan woman. Okay, when Jesus came to change her in John chapter 4. You know the story. She was living a life of sin. Jesus said, change. And I need you to change like your lifestyle. But then something else, different kind of change happened as well after that. It says after that, after she like believed and she said, okay, I'm going to get rid of the husbands. Then the woman left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. Here's what I discovered. Here's what I discovered. When Jesus came to change the Samaritan woman, two kinds of change resulted from his, the, the, his interaction with her. Two kinds of change. The first kind of change was in her life. But there's a second kind of change that took place after this. I think Jesus came to change not only her life, but her world. Because after Jesus' interaction with her, she didn't just go back a different person. She went back a different person and then made sure every single person in her city knew about the change. And she changed her entire city. And who knows how many people was in that city that changed their city and changed whatever, whatever, whatever. That's what I'm trying to say is, Jesus came not just to change us individually, but to change us individually that we would then go back into our world and change our world. Go to Zacchaeus. Y'all know the story of Zacchaeus, a man who was a tax collector and he was a cheat. And Jesus came and said, I want to have dinner at your house. Zacchaeus said, okay, come. And at the end of the story, Zacchaeus said, I believe in you, you're the best. Glory be to God forever, amen. Right? He said, no, 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 no. I believe in you, you're the best. Now I'm going to go out and I'm going to change the world around me because I'm going to go back and give, restore fourfold of everything that I've taken. Look at the apostles. He didn't just bring them and say, come to me and change. He said, come to me and change. Now go out to the world and change the world. It was always that way with Jesus. It was always come and follow and then go and live. Always that way. Come to me, now go to the world. It's always that way that when Jesus wants to change, it's an in, and then it sends, it's like a revolving door. He wants to bring you in this side, change it, and then send you back out from where you came to change the world that you came from. The Bible verse that corresponds to this, a verse that maybe you, you never understood before, Mark 2, 22, 
talks about no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or no one, or else the new wine bursts the wineskins, the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins. I never understood this verse. What in the world is the wineskins and the new and the old, and who cares? What it means is this, is that if I got, think about it this way. I like milk. Y'all like to drink milk? Okay. So with me, when it comes to milk, like if I'm drinking a cup of water and I don't finish the water, okay, then I can add new water on top of it. That's okay. But milk, that's yucky. Milk, I'm going to drink, okay? And if I have to leave a little bit, you know, that has to go away, okay? And the cup needs to be washed and a whole new cup needs to, needs to be uh, present. Because you can't put new milk into old milk cups. It's just, it's not nice, okay? That's what Jesus is saying right here. Saying, if you got an old milk carton, you don't want to just take it and put new milk in it. You want to throw away the carton and get a new carton. Because a little bit of the old milk could stay in there and I could get kind of funky, okay, with a little bit of time. So, new milk, new milk skins, okay, milk cartons. That's the, that's the modern day of the wine, okay? Because I know, you know, our people here, we don't know much about wine and things like that. It's a foreign concept. So, we'll stick with milk, okay? We'll keep it, we'll keep it G-rated, okay? <laughs> I believe, and that's what our core value number 10 cements, that God is not just calling us to change our lives. He is calling us to change our lives and then to go out into the world from which we came from. If you came from Arlington, or you came from Fairfax, or you came from Reston, or you came from Rockville, or you came from the moon for all I care. He is calling you to come here, be transformed by his real presence, and then go back outside to that same place that you came from and change the world that you came from. Said another way, like let me speak, like let me speak honestly. And I'm speaking to myself just as much as I'm speaking to every single person here. But there's something bad that we have. Our generation has something bad that our parents' generation did not have. And I'm sure our kids will probably be even worse. Is that we tend to be selfish. And we tend to be self-centered. And we tend to live, it's what I call a bubble. We live in a little bubble that's all about me, my plan, my agenda, my life, and we just walk around in our own little bubble and we don't really care about people outside of our bubbles. It's bad, it's something that's not good, but we all do it. We're the most self-focused, self-absorbed, self-generation ever. We are. Because we, you and me, hear about stuff that's outside of our little world and we don't really care. You know, a couple of years ago, we had a whole retreat about this subject. Y'all remember, if anyone was attending, the, the, the bubble retreat. It was about this, this one message turned into a whole retreat about how we don't care about stuff outside of our bubble. I'll give you an example. You read an article. It says about how um, uh, China, Christians in China are persecuted very heavily. If anyone ever read, there's a great book called The Heavenly Man. Okay, which, you read that. Christians in China, very heavily persecuted. Do you care? Most of us, it's like just a piece of knowledge to put in there. Don't visit China with your Bible, okay? Like, as long as it applies to me, we kind of file that information. Oh, no, we don't really care. Maybe, now I'll say that maybe some of us, we say, well, no, we care about Egypt. Well, the only reason we really care about Egypt is because that's, we have some family back there. But if you didn't have family back there, forget about Egypt. Forget about where you have family. Do you care? Do you care that in uh, India, people are really, really poor? Do you care that uh, in, uh, in Sudan, people are fighting each other and killing each other? Do you care? Most of us, we don't care. Like, let's be honest. I'm not testing you, okay? I'm not saying, give me the answer. Like, I don't care what answer you say. Be honest. We don't care. Okay, you know what? Leave that. That's far away. We've never been to those places in the world. Let's go to our own country. 
In this country, we have a problem. We got a lot of homeless people. Do you care? We got kids who are sexually abused. Do you care? We got people who are orphans. We got people, you know, make it, we got people who are jobless. A lot of people really struggling. Do you care? Or is it just, thank God that's not me? I'm not saying, look, li listen carefully. I'm not saying, are you doing anything? I'm not saying, are you doing anything? I'm saying, do you even care? I'm not saying, are you doing? I'm saying, do you care? A lot of us, we don't even care. Okay, forget about the country. Let's, let's go more local. Let's say right here. We all know people who are hurting. People who are hurting like inside, going through pain. Maybe you know people. I'm sure you know people who are looking for work and really struggling. I'm sure you know people who are struggling with self-esteem. Do you care? Or is it just a couple nice words and then as soon as out of sight, out of mind? We say things like, oh, we pray for each other. But do you really? Do you care? I don't want to go closer to home and talk about like our families. Okay, about like, do we even care about our parents? And what nice things, how much we neglect our parents? I won't say that because my parents are sitting right there. So I'm trying to avoid the subject, okay? But you know, like I know, that your parents care a lot more about you than you care about them. And they show a lot more love for you most time than you show for them. Do you care? Or is it just, do you see what I'm saying? We just kind of care about me. And as long as it deals with me, I care very, very much. And I'm very, very passionate. I lose my job, I'm very much about the jobless and the, the unemployment. I have my job, thank you God, I couldn't care less about the people who don't have jobs. I'm saying that Jesus expected a lot of his disciples. And he expected them to have a view towards others that is, I don't even want to say unselfish, but like, agree with me, that Jesus is, like if Jesus was a candidate, okay, because we're all in election fun, okay? Yesterday, Mr. Obama was at uh, Centerville High School, which is right outside my house. Y'all been in my house? You know that high school right across the street? So Obama was there, and he was coming at like 5.30, from 8 o'clock in the morning. I took a run in the morning. There was people out there with the signs and the stuff like that, and I didn't realize it, but it was all the Romney people, okay? And then later on all day, there was Romney buses driving back and forth, and I don't know who's supporting who, and I'm just waiting for the fights, like the stuff you see on TV. I didn't see none of that kind of stuff. But since we're all in a political kind of mood, let's talk politics. If Jesus is here presenting his platform today, Jesus' policy towards others is radical. Is not normal, is radical. Is radical to the point of love your neighbor, love your enemy. Is radical to the point of someone asks you for one mile, go two with them. Is radical to the point of someone slaps you on this one, then don't even just forgive them and leave them alone. No, give them this one. Radical. Like the stuff that he said, the way we should treat each other and care about each other and love each other is stuff that, remember I said irrationally generous? It's irrationally loving and irrationally unselfish. But that was Jesus. That's his policy. He challenged us not just to care about ourselves, but to care about every single person, especially the one who no one cares about. The least of these, my brethren. The poor, he cares about more even than the rich. And, and the sick, more than the healthy. And the sad, more than the happy. He challenged his disciples to live these kind of lives, loving, generous, charitable, hospitable, extremely radical. Or, you say it another way, he called us to live lives outside of our own little bubble. If you're going to be a disciple of Christ, 
you need two components. You need a personal transforming relationship with God that transforms your life. You need a personal relationship with God that transforms your life. But make no mistake about it, as soon as you check number one off the box, or box number one, you better go straight to number two. Because you need a public relationship with God that transforms your world. And you can't have one without the other. You can't. You can't have a sincere relationship with God that doesn't transform your world and your worldview and your way of dealing and thinking about others. If you got one or trying to do one without the other, if you're trying to do two without one, it won't work. Okay, if you're trying to love the world without having the love of God inside you, that, that, that's a recipe for disaster. That'll never work. That, that's human love that's limited. It'll never work. But I'm telling you, if you're trying to love God without loving your world, that won't ever work either. Not my words, words of Scripture. James 2, verse 17, 18. Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Listen, doesn't say is weak, doesn't say is like so-so, it is dead. In God's eyes, it's not like, you know, a 90, an 80, a 70. There's alive, and then there's dead. And if your faith has no works, has no visible, has no public, it is dead. Not on life support, dead. But someone will, someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, I will show you my faith by my works. Saying some people say, okay, well it's like a matter of gifts. You're good at faith, I'm good at works. Okay, so I'm just good at faith, I'm not very good at loving other people. He says, ah, ah, nice try. That talents and gifts stuff, that doesn't apply to love one another. Doesn't apply to care about one another. That stuff is universal across them all. I was reading one time an article or a book and it said hell will be full of people who thought highly of the Sermon on the Mount hell will be full of people who thought highly of the Sermon on the Mount you must do more than that you must obey it you must take action let me give you another example make it clear here I'm married okay and if you're married you know that marriage changes your life Right? Always for the better, but I mean, there's a little bit that changes your life. Right? But marriage, in order, if a marriage is going to work, it has to change your world too. Like, when me and Marianne got married, that changed a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. But it also changed a lot of stuff. Like, I can't be living the same life single as I am married. Maybe that's a problem for a lot. That's a struggle for a lot of like the newly married, okay, that you just try, you live in single, now you add this person, and then you just add another, it doesn't work that way. Like I still can't be hanging out, you know, the same way I was hanging out before. Yeah, every now and then you hang out, okay, but you got someone else to hang out with, okay, and you got to take that person's hanging out desires and hanging out preferences into the equation. You can't just play video games all day like the way you used to. Again, I'm not against a game here, a game there, but my point is, in order to have a good, strong marriage with my wife, it must affect, it has to, okay, at least it has to affect my relationship with other girls. Okay, I can't have the same relationship with all the single ladies like I used to have before, okay? It has to be, I'm not saying me, I'm saying like one. Okay. <laughs> one shouldn't have, okay? Marriage has a private component, which is great, fantastic. But marriage has a public component as well. And if you're trying to have this without changing this, you're probably going to struggle in your marriage. And if you're trying to have this without having this, you're going to struggle in this relationship as well. Because this 
private must lead to this public. Does everyone understand how that works? Has to be. Let's go to the very first sermon ever preached by Jesus. Y'all know the first sermon preached by Jesus? In Luke chapter 4, he went into the temple. I say this is Jesus' mission statement in life. He goes into the temple and he starts speaking out of the book of Isaiah. And he says the following, Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 21, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus came and he preached this beautiful, eloquent few verses right here. And he said, I'm coming to do what? And look what he says. He's saying, I'm coming. And he starts to give all these different things of what he's coming to do. And every one of them is in relation to others. Every one of them is saying, I'm coming to help that guy. And, and that guy. And that guy. You see, because there's some people who are poor, I'm coming to help the poor. And there's some people who are blind, I'm coming to help give them sight. And there's some people who are oppressed, I'm coming to speak on their behalf because the little guy who has no one to defend him, I will defend him because that's my job as the body of Christ to defend the guy who has no one to defend him and to be a father to the fatherless and a brother to the brotherless. That's my job. That's why I'm here on this earth. And if you are going to follow in my footsteps, then that's why you're here as well. You're not just here to have a good, fun, social time together and just care about yourselves and care about your lives. You are here to go out there and to be me out there. And if Jesus walked the streets of Arlington today, how do you think he'd look at? Again, I'm not, even saying, I'm not even saying what would you do. I'm not saying money. I'm not saying action. But how would he look at the homeless? How would he watch the news when he heard about what Mr. Sandusky did and about all the other people who did all those awful things? What would he do? What would be in his heart as he heard his neighbor just lost his job and doesn't know how he's going to provide for his kids. I'm not saying to do anything. This is very important. I'm not saying to do anything. But what I'm saying is, do you even care? What you see with Jesus, his mission was more than just be a good person and pray a lot and read the Bible a lot. His mission was to go out and to change the world I think this message is so important and is an essential one of our core values because I really believe that one of the main reasons why so many people are stagnant in their spiritual lives is because we make it all about me. If your spiritual life, I spoke about this a couple weeks ago as well, if your spiritual life is just, I need to pray, I need to be good, I need to not do anything bad. If that's the extent of your spiritual life, you will, you'll hit a plateau. You'll become stagnant because you can only care about yourself so much until you realize that the spiritual life is input which turns into output. And until you're living the output life through evangelism, through the giving of your money, through the giving of your gifts, through the giving of your time, through loving the community around you, until you made this U-turn, then all you're going to do, you're going to be somebody who eats, 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 
and sit, 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 sit. You're going to become big, you're going to become heavy, you're going to become stagnant, you're going to become funky. Well, we need to be people who eat and walk. Who eat and walk. Cutting out the walking is like baking a cake cutting out half the ingredients and then wondering why the cake stinks. That's where many of our spiritual lives are. Jesus gave us ingredients. He gave us directions. Come, go. If you cut out the go and you just got the come, then don't be surprised if the cake doesn't taste very good because you're missing 50% of the ingredients that's supposed to be inside of it. As I said a couple years ago, I think it was two years ago, we did a retreat about this whole subject. And something I said at that retreat, which you know, kind of became something that caught on, a lot of people kept talking about, is I was talking about success and what is the measure of success in, in anything, but it's specifically spiritually. But if you look at the measure of success in any field, well, what I said is success is not defined by, I'm sorry, success is defined by what we do do not by what we don't do. And everyone said, he said, do-do, and I said, do-do, and everyone, yeah, do-do-do-do, okay? I didn't mean it to be like a funny thing. I meant it to be, like a, I want it to be as clear as possible. That success in any field, if you're a doctor, you're not successful if you don't kill any patients. You're successful if you do heal people. If you're married, you're not successful if you don't cheat on your wife. You are successful if you love your wife. Okay, if you're a lawyer, Okay, whatever it is, you're not successful if you don't do bad. Like if you do nothing, you're not successful. You have to do positive. Like not failing any classes doesn't make you a success. Passing classes makes you a success. See how this works? Same is true spiritually. Many of us are aiming spiritually just to not fail. That ain't, that ain't how God designed it. I want to aim to succeed. I want to aim to win the race, not just to not come in last. If success is measured by what I do do, and I am the body of Christ, I as the body of Christ need to do what Christ would be doing if he was here. First John chapter 2 verse 6, He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. This is what I want you to carry in your mind. I don't want you to do anything. I don't want you to do anything. But I want you to have this mindset that when you walk the streets, you are walking, you are Jesus walking the streets. You are. You are the body of Christ. And especially here in the Orthodox Church where we have a strong understanding and belief and, and communion and the body and blood of Christ inside of us, you are the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. If you're the body of Christ and that waiter was slow bringing your food, what would the body of Christ respond? If you see somebody broken, how would the body, not how, what would the body of Christ do in response to that? I want you to change your thinking. I want you to know that he who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he also walked. So if you don't walk as he walked, then stop saying that you're in him and that you abide in him because it just ain't true. Nice quote here from St. Teresa of Avila, who was a Catholic saint back from the 1500s. 
She said the following. She said, Christ has no body on earth but yours. No hands but yours. No feet but yours. Yours are the eyes through which Christ's compassion for the world is to look out. Yours are the feet through which he is to go about doing good. And yours are the hands with which he is to bless us now. I'm telling you, how many times do we pray for God to do something that he is waiting for us to be doing? God, please help this person. God's saying, I did. I sent you. Put you right next to them. That's the help that I sent. Stop sitting there waiting for me to answer their prayers. I am answering their prayers by sending you. Do your job and stop waiting for me to do my job. I sent you. You're me. You're the body of me. You're in the hands of me. You're the eyes. You're the heart of me. You're the compassion of me. You're the love of me. That's you. You can't imagine when I gave that example a minute ago, Jesus seeing someone broken and just walking away. Like you can't imagine. You can't imagine Jesus not caring about any of those. You can't like, it, it hurts your head to see like, Jesus would just walk by someone in need. But he does that every day because that's what you do. He does that every day because that's what you do. And that's what I'm saying is up in heaven, he's looking down. And I, I get scared to think that like, that's me. That like, he sent me, he put this person in front of me. I said, you know what, I don't want to, I don't want to bring up, you know, I'm just going to pray for them. It's easier to pray for them. This is all of a sudden we become very strong prayer people. Okay, at this moment in time, when someone's in need of help, we're very good at prayer. You know what, I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray for them. Because it's easy to pray at that point in time. Please God, keep them away from me. Thank you God, whatever you gave them, don't let me have it. That's easy. Easy to sit here in our pews, drink our coffee, talk about how great it is to be us, and pray for the whole wide world, and then do absolutely nothing. Easy to do that, but that's not what we were called to do. That's not who we are going to be at St. Timothy and St. Athanasius Church. What I've been saying throughout these core values is if you don't like, if you don't agree with some of these core values, you're going to struggle in this church. You are. Because this is who God has called us to be and this is who we are going to be. And I believe very, very, very passionately. Watch this. Not that God has called us to preach to Arlington. God has called us to love Arlington. And that's what we will do. We will spread the gospel to every inch of the city. Not by preaching to the city. Not by preaching, but by loving. We're going to love the city. One of the things that we spoke about, for those who weren't there, those who were there, you remember I spoke about this very passionately. We are going to, since this is one of our core values, all right, we talked about how we as a church want to be a giving church. We don't want to just be an us church. So you receive an income, you tithe of that income. The church, which is all of us, receives donations. We should be generous with our donations. Okay? And we should give to the city that houses us. So we are going to do not many projects. We are going to try to do one to two. And I still haven't figured out exactly, but we'll, we'll talk about that. Big projects. Where we save throughout the year. We're going to do a big project. We're not going to do it to all the area. We're not going to do it to, to the D.C. metropolitan area. We're not about Arlington. We're going to love Arlington. How? I don't know how. Whether we go into the school system one Saturday and we say, you know what? All of us together, we raise this much money. We're going to go. We're going to buy new computers for this underprivileged or the school that serves underprivileged. We're going to buy new computers. We're going to set them up. We're going to clean the graffiti. We're going to, we're going to wipe the school clean. 
and everyone's going to know we don't want nothing in return. We just want you to know that we love you. That's it. Or maybe we decide, you know what, we want to go to the hospital. We want to go and we want to buy a present for every single child in this hospital. I don't know what the project is. I don't know what it's going to be. But I know that we're not going to preach to Arlington. We're going to love Arlington. Because when we love Arlington and we show the love that God has for them, that's going to be the greatest testimony of who it is that we are. I'm excited, okay, about this. I know other people are. So here's what I'm throwing out to you. I even see the looks on some faces right now. I, this is where God gives different talents and different gifts and different passions to people. Some of you may not be big into community service and helping and all that kind of stuff. That's fine. You may have been big into some of the other stuff we talked about. That's great. Some of you are big into this. I'm throwing it out to you. You put it before God in prayer. And if you feel this is something that you feel like, I want to take the lead on something like this. I want to be involved. Come let me know. Because what I want to do, I don't want to say, guys, this is our project this year. I don't want to say it like that because I, I, I don't even live in Arlington. Okay, I live out in Clifton. So I live very far away from here. So I don't know the community. What I want to do is get a group of people who really care. And then we want to get together. We want to pray. We want to brainstorm. We want to come up with this is what we want to do. And you know, even I thought of something crazy the other day. I wrote down in my notes that I was saying that what we are going to do, we're going to make a difference. We're going to make such a difference that every single person in Arlington is going to know us. And I said even the mayor of Arlington himself is going to know who we are. I don't know if Arlington has a mayor. Doesn't have a mayor. That was the one caveat in my plan. What does Arlington have? The president of Arlington? Okay, the board of Arlington? Whatever of Arlington is going to know us and they're going to thank us. And then I even thought about, you know what we should do? This is just off the top of my head. We should get together and we should go to the, the mayor. Okay? And we should say, this is who we are. What does your city need from us? How cool would that be? We say, we don't want anything from the city. We want to show our love to the city. We want to say, you tell us. You got a problem with the homeless? How can we help? And then we put our heads together with the mayor okay, or whoever to be. All right? You say, you got a problem with the schools? We love schools. We want to help. That's what I'm saying is, anyone who's passionate about this, come let me know. We'll all get together. We'll pray. We'll brainstorm. We'll go do meetings. We'll do our research. We'll save our money, and then we'll announce, you know, at this day or whatever it is, as a family, we're going to do something. My point is, we are the body of Christ here. We are the body of Christ. And if we are the body of Christ, then we can't just care about ourselves. The first time the body of Christ came into this world. For God so loved the world, and He gave His only begotten Son, Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The body of Christ was sent into the world to die for the world, that the world may have life. If that's the sacrifice he's willing to make, and I'm him, what sacrifice am I willing to make? What sacrifice are we going to make? If he was willing to die, what sacrifice are we going to make? Are we willing to be inconvenienced? Are we willing to go out of our comfort zone? Are we willing to, to delay our schedule? We are the body of Christ. And if we are the body of Christ, it's time that we start acting like it. In case you haven't noticed, there's a war going on between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. I don't need to tell you that. There is a war between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And if we're on the side of the kingdom of light, you can't have a war and have soldiers just hanging out on the bench and just chilling out, checking their text messages. If there's a war going on, and we're on this side, and it's time that we fight. How are we going to fight? Mother Teresa taught us how to fight. How do you get rid of darkness? 
you light a candle. That's what Mother Teresa said, right? You can't remove the, the darkness, but you can light a candle. We're not going to remove the evil from this world, but we will insert a whole heck of a lot of light and of good and of love and of Christ. And we'll insert as much as we can because that that's who God has called us to be. Genuine love for community. We bleed with love for the community around us. Why? Because Jesus bled with love for the community around us, especially those who are without Christ. We don't just care about spiritual needs. We care about physical, we care about emotional, we care about social needs as well. We seek to be a true blessing to the community in whatever way we can. We, when we leave, like when we leave this Hilton Hotel, we are going to be a blessing to this Hilton and they are going to say, we wish you guys could stay forever. That's who we're going to be. And when we move into our next home, everyone in the neighborhood, maybe, maybe not at the beginning, but by the time we've been there for a while, is going to say, you guys are the best neighbors ever. And whenever we do a project together or a meeting together or whatever together, the community around us will not say, oh, here they come again. We will be a blessing to the community in whatever way because they'll know that we are Christ and we are full of love and full of whatever Christ would be full of. That's our core values, ladies and gentlemen. That's who we are. We titled this series, We Are STSA. That's who we are. I said in the beginning of this series that the core values, a lot of people are coming to this church and saying, who are you? What are you? Why are you here? Am I supposed to be here? All those questions are answered right here. If this is you, and you want to be part of this, welcome. We welcome you with open arms to our home. If you're not sure about this, like you say, you know what? I'm not really ready to live passionately for God. I'm kind of doing my own thing. I want to kind of keep God on the sidelines just as a Sunday kind of a thing. You're probably not going to like my sermons. If you say, you know what? I kind of want to be selfish. I don't want to really deal with anyone outside of my own little circle. You're definitely not going to like my sermons. You're not going to like hanging out here. But if you say, limitless acceptance, authentic community, transformational communal worship, passionate pursuit of God, leading to Christ-like integrity, fruit of that, faith-filled vision, irrational generosity, stewardship of my talents and my gifts, personal call to evangelism, and last, a genuine love for community. If you say, this is me, and I say, welcome to the family, and now it's time for us to get to work. Okay? If you missed any of these, what I'm going to do is, hopefully, okay, maybe Mr. John will help me out with this, okay, is I'm going to try to put all these talks on a CD. Okay? and then distribute them next week. So if anyone missed any of them, we'll put them all right there. You can catch up on any of the ones that you missed. You can memorize them. We have, um, I, I have, uh, I sent out as an email a couple weeks ago the PDF of all these core values with their description. And I was actually very happy I went to visit somebody in their house. There it was right there on the fridge, as exactly as I wanted to see, right there on the fridge. And I was ready with mine in my hand. I, was gonna, I told you, if I don't see it on your fridge, I'm going to tape it all over your walls, okay, with the kind of tape that peels the, the paint. I'm going to put it all over the place. All right? You print it, nice PDF. You put it on there. Every time you get your ice cream, you see the core values. You review what they are, okay, and you remind yourself of who it is that God is calling us to be. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, let's stand up for a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Lord, we thank you for revealing to us these core values and revealing to us, Lord, who it is that you want us to be. We thank you, Lord, because you call us to something great and you don't want us to live like mediocre lives, 
or ordinary lives, but that when all is said and done, and we finish this life, and we're done this race, that we can get to the end and say that we were part of something great. And we, we were part of, of spreading your kingdom and spreading your love to every person, Lord, that, that you brought in front of us. Lord, wherever it is that we're from, some people who are, who are just guests here today from different places, or us who, who are here, Lord, I pray that all of us would have this sense that we are your body. And wherever it is that we go, we're your ambassadors, and we carry your name everywhere we go. Give us, Lord, to always remember that and always be reminded. I know, Lord, that you're watching over us, not just ready to, to, to look at us in a bad way when we don't do it, but more importantly, ready to reward us and, and smile at us when you see us being your body in every place that, that our, our feet may take us. Help us, Lord, as, as become one body and one spirit united inside you and ready to go out and spread your love and spread your gospel to every inch of this city and to every person that we meet along the way. Accept our prayers in the name of your only begotten Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, with the intercessions and the prayers of all your saints. Hear us, Lord, as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Through Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.